Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Well, today we have a very special guest by the name of Nick Nanton from the slums of Port-au-Prince, Haiti, with special forces raiding a sex trafficking ring and freeing children to the Virgin Galactic uh, spaceport in the Mojave with Sir Richard Branson. Nick is passionate about telling stories that connect. He has directed more than 60 documentaries and a sold-out Broadway show garnering 43 Emmy nominations in multiple regional and national competitions and 22 wins. He has made films and shows featuring Larry King, Jack Nicholas, Tony Robbins, Sir Richard Branson, Dean Kamen, Lisa Nichols, Peter Damons, and many, many more. He is currently the host of, of In Case You Don't Know with Nick Nanton on Amazon Prime. Well, this is really exciting, Nick, to have you here today, and thank you for coming. Uh, you know, to get to where you are, you must have had to climb a mountain of adversity. So let's go back a little bit into your history and talk a little bit about some of the things you've had to overcome to get to where you are. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, we all we all hit adversity. We hit adversity on a daily basis, actually. Like yesterday, I, I was making a pitch for uh, a big project, uh, a piece of a big project that we're already doing to trying to get somebody involved who's a very well-known celebrity. And and I got a no, you know, and, and so I had to put on my Jack Canfield hat and say, you know, he got 144 no's before he got his the yes for chicken soup for the soul. So I had to say, okay, 143 more to go, you know? So adversity is just part of what we do. What I think is really important about, uh, about that whole topic is I like to divide life sort of into these two, two segments, um, the things I can control and the things that I can't. And the things that I can't is a much, 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 much larger list than the things that I can't. So things I can control, I try to show up and control, you know, every day with a good attitude and just do the best I can to serve other people and do my job for my family or for my team at work, whatever it is. But the things that that I can't control, oftentimes the adversity comes from there. And so what I've what I've learned to do is, you know, the only things that are really worth doing, we we often I find that we all get caught up in doing things sometimes that maybe we shouldn't be doing. We, we felt obligated. Uh, someone else asked us to. Our heart wasn't in it. But the things that really get done, particularly in the face of adversity, are the things that you are that you have a true belief in, uh, that you're on mission for, that is, it aligns with your personal core mission. So certainly, you know you had this podcast, you had a mission you're on, you know, the pandemic hit, certainly it affected the way we all operate, but you kept doing what you were doing. You just had to find alternative ways to do it just like me. So I just find when adversity strikes, um, it's a very, it's a quick gut check. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? If the answer is still yes, then we just adapt and try to figure out the best way to do it. So I've had a ton of adversity. Uh, I could go on for hours about things that didn't go exactly the way I wanted to, or things that went terribly wrong. Uh, there's some of those. I filmed a movie in, in Dominican Republic one time, 
And we were there for on the ground for about 72 hours and the Dominican government uh, held our equipment for 48 of those 72 hours. So most of the film ended up being shot on iPhone. Actually, you can't tell because the guys I had with me know how to use it in a way I'd never seen. Uh, and we won some Emmys for it. So it's all how you respond. And I, and I think honestly, how you respond to adversity is what prepares you for whatever's coming next. And the better you respond to adversity, the bigger that next thing is going to be because the challenges don't feel nearly as, as grand. Now, you came into the United States as an immigrant, so that in itself posed a challenge. Let's talk about your experience there and how you had to overcome some of the boundaries there to get to where you are. Yeah, I think I would go on record saying my parents did the bulk of the work there. Uh, I was one when we moved to the United States. So I, I went through, I swore in with them as we became United States citizens when I believe I was eight because they had to be here seven years. And it was somewhere around there, eight or nine. Um, and they worked really hard to uh, give my brother and I, you know, a, a fair shake um, and, and beyond. And so, you know, they had their adversities, they had some hardships, they had financial hardship, they had, you know, things that happen when you basically have no safety net because you leave everything you know to come to a new place. So I certainly saw some of that, saw some of the some of the scarcity, lived some of the scarcity with them. But man, I uh, it fortified me in so many ways to see what was possible when when there were no other options. I mean, their only option was to find a way for my brother and I to succeed. And, you know, they encouraged us well. They loved us well. We didn't always have uh, we were cash poor at times, but but rich in love. And so, you know, I think what I learned from that perspective, again, is I mean, attitude and and perspective can shift so many things. And I think my, you know, growing up that way, my parents and my brother, certainly a brilliant guy, you know, just looking at how do we, you know, how do we move past this? Okay. Here's what we can't affect. How, what can we affect and, and how can we, you know, how can we do the right thing? And, and my parents, I think also taught me a huge amount about serving other people. I mean, they, they're still, you know, they still go weekly, it seems to, visit someone at a hospital or to some sort of feeding center, some sort of, you know, they, they're great servants. So, you know, there was adversity. There were things that were different. There were customs. My family didn't quite understand. I mean, was, I come from Barbados. So it's, it's still, you know, basically an, an Anglo-Saxon Christian environment, essentially. Um, and so, or that I would have, my family was from there. And so, you know, we celebrated Christmas. We didn't know much about Thanksgiving, but they didn't know anything about football. They, you know, so there were some things that you'd get made fun of as a kid for not understanding or not knowing. But uh, overall, um, you know, I, America has been an incredibly, an incredible place to build a life and incredibly welcoming. In fact, I did an interview with a, a Grammy award-winning composer the other day. And he said, you know, Nick, the Grammy Awards and the Oscars and I believe you said even the Emmys are the only awards in the world or, or of that high, high, high caliber that you can that you can win if you're not a citizen of that country. I was like, that's really interesting. And so like the Juno Awards, I believe you can't win unless you're Canadian. Like there's a lot of nationalism that gets, you know, celebrated in a lot of other countries and America gets a, a bad rap for some of our, we, we deserve some of the bad rap, but a pretty welcoming and opening and open armed place uh, overall. So it's been a great place for me. Great. That's great. Now, you've been involved with some very interesting projects, one that I'm aware of, and that you filmed a documentary on on trafficking and how that's going on in the basis. Is that going to be released soon? Yeah, we just had our world premiere at a film festival in L.A. like two weeks ago, maybe. Um, it's now sort of making the film festival rounds. I'd expect that's going to happen between 
uh, now in the end of 2021. And I think you'll start seeing some public facing stuff happening early 2022. Uh, my goal is to get it out there as quickly as possible because, you know, it's a, it's another pandemic. It's a, a thing that, and quite frankly, most of us, me included, um, before I did this film, and I'm, of course, I'm still learning because it evolves, but most of us just don't understand what it is anymore. I mean, there are percentages of trafficking that's happening, you know, women and children on, you know, street corners are abducted from shopping malls or all these things we've seen in movies and the things we've been told about for 20 years. But what most of us don't understand is really where trafficking is happening for the most part right now is online. That's where everyone's gathering. Um, it's a lot less risky in a lot of ways. Like you don't have to go buy a white van and creep around movie theaters. Like you, you could just, you can just fish with some fake, you know, photos and stuff and you, and the world is your oyster. You don't have to go anywhere. And so a lot of kids and adults are being taken advantage of, uh, by people creating false relationships under false pretenses with them online. And at some point convincing them to send nude photos is typically the sort of the common, most common one. And then they say, okay, now here's what you're going to do for me. And they take advantage of them. And they, you know, there are tickets sold to child rape on zooms. There are, uh, you know, there are children who are forced to go to their room daily and record videos or go live masturbating. I mean, it's terrible. And so what we have to do is we have to help people understand, you know, how to protect our vulnerable, whether a lot of it's children, but you know, there are other people in vulnerable situations as well, how to protect them. But in order to protect them, we have to understand what it even is and how it even happens. And I think most of us, me included, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not holier than thou in any way, shape or form. I was looking in the wrong places. You know, I got three kids, 10, 14 and 16 that are, you know, they have cell phones, different levels of social media for each one of them. Cause I don't think 10 year olds need social media, but, uh, and that's just my belief, but it's just, you know, but she's got friends that are on Instagram and she's a dancer and they, that's sometimes how they, uh, submit a workout to their class when it was during the pandemic to show they did it. You, have, you know, post on Instagram and tag yourself. So my wife runs an account that she can see, but you know, but then also I let my kids play Roblox and I've let my kids play Minecraft and Fortnite and these video games. And, you know, people are getting trafficked off of there too, because anywhere you can try to establish and communicate, anywhere you can communicate and try to establish a relationship with someone, that's, that's where it, that's where it can happen. So yes, I'm very excited to get that message out there. Uh, the film's called "It's Happening Right Here," and uh, I'm always happy to talk to anybody about that stuff if they if they or refer them to resources that are way more qualified than I am in, in other instances as well. Yeah, that that really is a very scary pandemic that's out there, and it certainly is something that is much greater than we really realize how big it is and how nebulous it is and how it is occurring in every city in the United States. And yeah, it's, it's happening in everywhere. What I think surprises most people is they would think, oh, it's happening to immigrants. It's happening to people in lower class neighborhoods or low income neighborhoods. It's happening to like, but it's happening in every gated neighborhood in America because a lot of times, let's be honest, the wealthier a family is, sometimes the, it's sadly in a lot of cases, I don't know the stats, but parents might be around a little bit less. They're busier working careers. Uh, that creates vulnerabilities for certainly kids who don't feel like they're getting the attention they deserve or just not being monitored with what they're doing. And so it, it happens everywhere. And then when 
when a kid makes a mistake like that and they send, you know, naked pictures or whatever, and they get caught, um, their first instinct is not let me go tell my parents, right? They, it's a very shameful, embarrassing, and they're worried they're going to get in huge trouble. Like what's going to happen? And so I think one of the conversations that has to be opened is, you know, we have to tell our kids, you know, they shouldn't do these things. But I think I don't know anyone who has been a kid who didn't make some mistakes. And so I think we have to open these conversations with our kids like, hey, you shouldn't do these things. And here's why. However, if and when you make a mistake like this or any other kind, the person who has the most interest in helping you is is me, is us. Hopefully that's the case, right? But I think that's one of the ways we can start opening that dialogue. I just don't think most parents know that they even need to have that dialogue and then they don't know how to have that dialogue. So hopefully, uh, you know, conversations like this, uh, Alan, will, will help people open their eyes to that. I think so. And I, I think that film is such an eye opener to so many people. I think it will be well received. And when it makes the rounds, I'm sure it'll get out there and the message will get out as well. I'm hopeful. Good, good. Going to change the channel a little bit, Nick. What advice would you give a younger version of yourself? Uh, uh, I'd say it's all going to work out because it has to. There's no other way. So just, you know, again, focus on things you can't control. Um, the things that you can't control are going to affect your life. Like clearly if a drunk driver hits you or a loved one or someone gets cancered, it's going to affect you, and but you can't control it. And so I would tell my younger self, you know, uh, strengthen your faith. You know, for me, I'm, I'm a Christian and, and that carries me through most everything, not at most everything, everything, you know, that's my foundation. And, uh, and if I thought I was in control of any of this in the world, I'd, I'd have a lot of depression because not a whole lot I can do, but I'd say, you know, strengthen your faith, buckle up and, uh, and serve people, serve other people. And it's, it's all going to work out. Uh, there's so few things that are, you know, look, when we flatline, we flatline, you can believe what happens, whatever you want to believe after that. But until that moment, it's all in play. Right. And so I think one of the, one of the biggest eye openers I had years ago was that, you know, um, I set my mind to do something or to achieve something or something, you know, a payment was supposed to come in from a client or it doesn't like you, you have a preconceived idea of what's going to happen. And even everything is leading to it happening. And then for some reason at the last moment, you know, someone gets COVID and they can't do a thing or like whatever happens, or you have to cancel this um, I, in the, the younger me would have, would have said, Oh man, that's devastating. I gotta, I gotta, rebook this or whatever. Now I've really realized that up until the moment that, that up until that moment is gone up until that, whatever you had set in the future, there's a thousand things you can do in here to try to get it back on track or to try to call an audible. Like, okay, maybe the interview I had scheduled in LA and had a crew fly out for is not going to happen tomorrow because someone got sick or, you know, got a cancer diagnosis or got in a car accident or whatever. But for instance, okay, if, but if I'm here for the next 36 hours in LA, you know, what could happen? And so I think that's an exciting way to look at things. It's just a very different way than I think we're taught to look at things. Yeah, I think that's that's key. I think it, and I think it's also key, Nick, that you uh, amplify something I always teach, which is it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. And I think that's something that you you live the life of. And maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit, maybe give an example of something from your own life. Oh, man, I've had plenty. Um, you know, the I'm trying to think of the best example. Um, I got one example when I uh, when I tried to put uh, a well-known 
celebrity on Broadway, this one on celebrity had told me, um, you know, that they're one of their, one of their final aspirations in life. Like one of the things they hadn't achieved yet was they wanted to be, they wanted to do a one man show on Broadway. I said, okay, got it. Check. And so I just sort of thought about it. And um, I contacted a friend of mine who had helped produce uh, uh, the show Jersey boys. And I said, you know, what does it take to do? And so sort of figured it out, got in touch with the theater, found a theater that let me do it. I had to rent the theater, found the union, got to deal with the union. All right. So I got, I got a Broadway theater. I got a date. I got the union agreed to it. I got the crew. I got stage. I got everything. And I go to him and say, Hey, I got this all worked out. Here's the deal. And he says, wow, that's incredible. Um, send me, you know, your proposal. So I sent him a basic business proposal. And we'd done a few things before. He said, great. Now talk to my family member. Um, he understands this stuff better than I do. And his family member happened to be a Broadway producer of a major Broadway. And I, first of all, I knew this was going to be a losing proposition because I was trying to, I was trying to help a person make a lifelong dream come true. And I was taking all the risk. Um, this other person in his life was a producer of a major Broadway show that had big budgets, big investors, and didn't know me from Adam. And so essentially I shared my mission with that family member, as I was asked to do and what I was working on was doing. And I don't remember exactly what they said, but they said something like this. Um, you know, Nick, either you're one of the smartest people I've ever met, or you're one of the biggest hucksters I've ever met. And I've met an awful lot of smart people. So I got the hint. And so I said, okay, understood. So I called back my other contact, his, you know, his family member and said, look, um, I get it. Your, your family member doesn't know me from Adam doesn't know where, you know, so how about this? I'll do the Broadway show with, I'm going to put Rudy on Broadway and then I'll show you how it works out. And then you can decide, uh, you can decide if you want to do it or not. He said, great. So I put Rudy on Broadway. We sold out in 43 minutes. Uh, we got written up. Uh, we did a one night stand. It was only one night. I just wanted to try it. I didn't want to risk my life on it. Uh, it was a one man show with multimedia. I actually got the idea for that by watching Mike Tyson's one man show. And if you've never seen it, it's incredible. Uh, it's filmed. You can find it. Uh, and I put Rudy on and, and we brought the house down and it was a life achievement moment for me. And, uh, I wanted to do it with that other individual and that other individual died during COVID. So that's never going to happen. But the adversity I can tell you of having at the time, I don't know I had over a dozen Emmys. Like I had, you know, in a way proven myself, I don't think you've ever made it. I'm not that guy, but I think I'd proven my ability to deliver on these promises. I wasn't a, just a stranger and I knew this and I, you know, and essentially at, you know, a level where I felt like I had a respect, a level of respectability in my career. You know, you have a, a person who is obviously very important in the world of Broadway, which I was trying to get, who basically tells me I'm a huckster. And it's like, well, what did I do to you? But those things they do, they affect you internally. You go, am I a bad person? Like when someone who you respect says something like that, you go, you know, I think it's important to we all have blind spots. It's important to assess. Is there something truthful to what this person is saying? There wasn't, but it's just hurtful, you know? So those types of things, you, you have a couple of choices. I could have just said, you know what? Okay. I'm out. No one's going to say yes. Um, or like the big, no, I got yesterday. I, I'll get a yes. It's got 143 more no's to go. Or I I'm, I'm refused. I'm going to refuse to give up until I at least go through the Jack Canfield list. So I owe it to him 143 more no's before I'm willing to give up. 
Oh, that, that's huge there. Well, we're just about close to our end of our, our interview already, Nick, and I'd like to thank you for coming on today. And I'd like to also give people an opportunity to find out more about you. What's the best way they can do that? Uh, NickNanton.com. If you opt in there, you can find out what our next next and latest movies are, whatever else I'm up to. Certainly, I'm on all the socials uh, as at NickNanton. You can find me there. As long as you spell my name correctly, you should find me. Uh, and I'd love to, you know, I'd love to have you along. If you have any questions or anything, you can reach me on the website. I, I get the emails that come through there. Uh, I'm happy to answer questions or help you. You know, I, I can't spend all my waking hours on other people's projects, but I'm also happy to help somebody who has a quick question that or needs help with something. Thank you, Nick, for being here. And I'd just like to tell our audience that if you like the show, please uh, like it and also put some comments down so we can pass this on to others. Thank you again, Nick. Have a fantastic day and good luck with your shoot tomorrow. Thank you. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Laika's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day.